Hi, this is Brock Lurie, and this is the Brock Lurie Show podcast, and we are excited to talk about a lot of very interesting and uh, new things that are coming up as of late, mostly social issues today. Um, and with me, of course, is my indefatigable, wonderful producer, Ari David. Thanks so much for being here. Always a pleasure. Look, um, there are very fun things going on, very interesting things, that maybe not fun. Uh, this is the time where we have, um, um, you know, the Donald Sterling event is happening, and uh, we have got Ukraine going on, and you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, uh, President Obama just loves all the attention that's being devoted to Don Sterling because it's that much less attention drawn to the Ukraine. And, uh, and, and, and it's still amazing to me how much attention Sterling's gotten. Uh, but Ukraine is getting a lot less attention. Syria, in the meantime, now it's clear, has uh, just an extraordinary amount of chemical weapons that are still in play. They, um, the Obama administration basically was able to nip about a drop in the bucket. And uh, even then, it's just a joke because it basically has given them complete license, the Syrians complete license to do whatever they will in Syria so that um, so long as they don't actually show chemical destruction uh, happening. So uh, just make sure you don't get caught on video, Mr. Assad. That's basically what Obama's saying, because there's been radio silence in every respect up to now. Okay. Um, I had a radio show uh, yesterday, actually, Sunday the uh, 4th, I believe, of May, and uh, a gentleman called in. We were, I was talking about the benefits of capitalism and that it was the single greatest thing to alleviate poverty and to uh, increase the standards of living of everyone. And this gentleman called in to say the following, if capitalism is so great, um, then how is it that capitalism, uh, you know, resulted from slavery? Basically said, you know, it's a big flaw in my argument. And, um, Slavery, you know, created all the benefits of capitalism that we I now think, see today. I think his argument was America was built on slavery. And since America is a capitalist country, America was, America's yeah. capitalism was built on slavery. And if you took away the 300 years of slavery in the new world, we wouldn't be near where we were. Right. I understood. I mean, it's, it's just idiotic through and through. But nevertheless, that was his point. Which is why you had trouble remembering it. Right. Right. I, I, here's how I responded to him. I recall his name was Martin. Um, Martin said that, that thing. And I said, the first thing I responded to him, without even getting into the, uh, the, to proving him wrong, is simply to say how sorry I felt for him that he had actually come to believe this nonsense. Somebody told it to him. I don't care who told it to him. Maybe a friend, probably a professor, uh, maybe a pastor, uh, if it was a pastor like uh, Reverend Wright, of course. And I said, yeah, I'm sorry that you feel this way, that this is, this is completely bunk. There's no evidence behind this whatsoever. There's no a scintilla of evidence to suggest this. And yet here you are advancing this as if, if, if it, as if it's a gold. You, you actually spoke to me as though it was assumed. Like we, we are, well, the benefits are all here with, you know, as a result in the product of slavery. Uh, but let's see where we go from here, that sort of thing. I mean, it was so nonsensical. As if it was a given in algebra. A given, right. Yeah, eight, 2 plus 2 is 4, and now that we know that, we move forward with 4 plus 2. No, it's not like that at all, and of course it's garbage. Why do I bring this up? Uh, because, you know, it, it really kind of honed in a very interesting point that you and I love so much. 
the beauties of capitalism. We know that capitalism survived not because of slavery. It's in spite of slavery. If Had there been no slavery uh, in the olden days, uh, we actually would have been more advanced. We would have more innovation, more products, uh, more goodwill, of course, as well. Uh, slavery kept us back. It did not help us. You might as well say that slavery was great for the Egyptian economy during the days of Pharaoh and the Jews. Of course not. I mean, as, as Ari said before uh, this podcast, the, uh, had, had they actually just paid the Jews to do the work, they would have had much better <laughs> uh, pyramids, and they would have had uh, uh, the Jews actually innovating with the, the Egyptians to make the finest pyramids throughout the world. But no, they had to enslave them. They had to whip them, uh, do terrible things to them. And so the Jews constantly be in fear of the revolution, constantly oppress, spend all that man hours oppressing people. Right. So if you think that's an effective way of of moving your society forward, well, then then I've got some swampland in Florida to sell you. But for some reason, you know, and and the only thing Martin is correct about is that slavery has been around for thousands of years. And it was uh, it, it really finally ended with the end of the Civil War in 1865. And. So, and and as, as I pointed out to him, the greatest growth in American history was precisely then, at the end of the uh, Civil War up through the 1920s. And that was an explosion of innovation. So don't tell me for a second that that was on the backs of slavery, because if, if Martin's comment were correct, you would expect that innovation would have, at best be very tepid. It would have trailed off. It would have trailed off. All in the fact, innovation would have happened before. That's right, and we and we would eventually we would eventually uh, you know descend in our in our not only our culture but also our our uh, innovation and our commercialism and our success and everything else that we ever had. So that that it begs the question, and of course he didn't think about that. And by the way, I, I should have asked him the question, a very simple question. Hey Martin, I'm going to ask you a question. When did slavery end in America? And he would say, I don't know. I guarantee you, he wouldn't have known. And I should have asked the question because people who think like that don't have the slightest clue about what they're talking about because he should have put two and two together. But then again, he can't do that. As I always say, you cannot accuse liberals of thinking things through. So this comes to the next big point that I want to make, which is, did you ever see the movie um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Ari? No, I didn't. That is a movie, a very cute movie. It was made on a shoestring budget, I think for $4,000, with a couple of lesser-known actors. They were somewhat known, but lesser-known. And uh, it's a very quaint story of a young lady who wants to get married. She meets a nice man, and he's American, culturally a wasp, and she comes from a Greek background, very Greek. And it's just a very funny, cute, romantic comedy, and all the foibles they have. And it's a very happy ending as well. This movie made something like two billion dollars. I mean, that, that's billion. You, yeah, that's why you call it a good return on your investment. It was so phenomenally successful. This movie uh, also it went you know went across the world and did very well too. It's a it's a great love story, very sweet and very funny. There's a character in the movie. Why do I bring it up? There's a character in the movie. Uh, I think it was the mother or the grandmother of of the main lead actress, and she's just a very it's comic relief in this uh, in this movie. She's a uh, what do you call it, uh, sideshow, I guess. But she loves the product Windex. She's come to America, and she discovers the product Windex, you know, the, the glass cleaner, yeah. right? But she, she not only loves it to, glass, uh, to clean glass, but she loves it because of many other purposes it has. 
And she, she's decided that it's, it's the cure-all for everything. Windex serves every purpose in the world. <laughs> it, it, uh, it helps you, uh, you know, stay up at night if you need to. It also helps you if you have a headache. <laughs> you know, she'll, she'll, she'll spray, uh, you know, some Windex into your orange juice to help your cough. You know, that, that's the kind of, it, it's hysterical. You know, everything about it, <laughs> it's hysterical, right? So <laughs> there's not a thing that she can't use Windex for. And um, it's, it's a computer. It, 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 would, it would cure your viruses in your computer, you know, if, she had, it was a, if it were a modern-day movie. So but he, what I loved about it was that it was such a cure-all for everything. Now, and in her mind it was. What is, and here's the big question. What is the Windex in our lives, in, in American society, right? And there is one. Unlike the movie, which was kind of cute, there is a Windex that basically solves all problems. Okay, here it is. Free market capitalism. Truly free market capitalism will solve just about every known problem that you can throw at right now. Okay, whether, that, whether that's illegal immigration, minimum wage, affirmative action, racism, uh, name any problem that you think. Sexism, the glass ceiling, yeah. uh, taxes that are either too high, too low, oh, not right, government corruption, regulation, uh, regulation uh, government spending or not spending enough on right. such and such, this right. or that. The need for welfare. Mm -hmm. For welfare, food stamps, everything that you can think of, free market capitalism solves every one of those issues. Okay? Solves it. That's Windex, my friend. God, politicians will hate this. There's no reason for them to ever stir things up again. If that's we that's why it. we believe in limited government. And our founding fathers understood this as well. They don't want us to make laws. They want to make it as difficult as possible to make laws. And they want us to Think, think, think before we even pass a law in the Congress. And then, then in turn, it has to go to the Senate. And then they have to think, think, think again. So the last thing we want are more and more laws. Or more and more politicians making stands on hope and change, getting elected, and causing people to want action. Right. You know, the, the government should be like my homeowners association. What do I mean by that? I mean, you know, I don't like going to my homeowners association meetings because we have to make resolutions from time to time. We meet... Once, maybe twice a year, maybe, uh, to deal with issues of you know that are common to all of us, uh, issues that are arising, and then we want to get in and we want to get out. Okay, we don't. But the ultimate nightmare would be for me to be a full time job, to have a full time job at that HOA, to constantly just kind of create uh, issues to justify my existence, day in and day out. Uh, the, the hammers are the wrong colors. <laughs> the the nails are you know don't look nice. Uh, we we need to do something about that. We have to regulate the flags, the flowers that you have in front of your exactly. home. Exactly, everything. Lawn is... height must only be between this and this. Right, and everyone needs to have the certain kind of pane windows. I mean, it, it can go on and on like this. And uh, we just we spotted a termite, therefore uh, we we need to you know, tent this again. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say burn down the neighborhood. Down, that's yeah. how that's government right. would work. That's how it would work. But, but that's, that's the way it is. And, and government should, should be as limited as possible. I'm not saying we should have no government, you, nor are you. I mean, we do have to have laws as opposed to regulations. You know, I make the distinction all the time. Um, but 
you know, the, the fewer the laws, the better off we are. Yeah, laws, standards, patents, foreign policy protection, and really that's about it. That's about it. That's about it, folks. And um, capitalism resolve, resolves all those issues. Now, here's a liberal, and he'll say, what are you talking about? If you're going you're gonna to let, uh, you know, the, the, the fat cats in, on Wall Street to just decide all these things, Mr. Lurie? Um, well, first of all, it's not all the fat cats. Most of the, most of the capitalism that we think about is actually mom and pop stores, entrepreneurs getting uh, up to speed and, and growing a little bit, becoming middle uh, income stores and then growing from there uh, and, and hopefully becoming Walmarts and all those things. And guess what? Those, there's no company that has stayed afloat for more than 100 years. Just none. You can't think of any. Uh, I mean, and if they are, I they're mean, teetering it, like Sears or something right, right, like that. Right. Or, or Ford, right? I mean, Ford is, has been around, but I'm talking about that stayed on top Hold all on, the entire stop time. stop right there. I own stocks, shares of Ford. <laughs> Ford is great. Buy Ford. They're much better than GM. Throw GM out. Ford. Go Ford. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you, you, get the, you get the principle here is that nothing, you know, this, this fear of some one company taking over the entire country or a conglomeration of, of companies doing so. It just has never happened. It, it never happened even when we were unregulated. Uh, and it's certainly, and, and, and there's no difference today, right? So, I mean, uh, anyway, that's, that's another story. The point is free market capitalism resolves these, all these problems. The minimum wage, for example, it's, a, it's an effort to try to fix a, a perceived problem that doesn't exist, right? That there is a living wage of some kind. This is a phantom argument. It, there's, there's no issue here. An employer doesn't want to pay you only a dollar, right? He, he, will, he, he wants to pay you what, he, what the market tells you he needs to pay you. And that's why, as I said in my Sunday show, most employers are not paying minimum wage. I mean, to hear from liberals, you would, you would think that, uh, you know, the reason why conservatives don't want to raise the minimum wage is so that they want to keep this really low price for the minimum wage and never pay them a penny over as if somehow that is the standard wage that everyone's getting paid all over America. Like we're, we're all one big union <laughs> demanding, uh, you know, pay raise now. No, most people are not getting paid the minimum wage and those who are getting paid the minimum wage um, they very quickly get paid more than the minimum wage what by, kind of, by, by yeah. virtue of a process called a raise. Right. Okay? And competition, meaning if you're good, someone else will want to hire you. Yeah. Here's a question. What kind of boss would Ebenezer Scrooge make if he lived today? Oh, he, he wouldn't survive at all. Right, because no one would work for the son yeah. of a why, gun. Right. Why, why would you do that? I mean, unless Ebenezer Scrooge uh, was somehow responsible. For, he was a single employer in a town. Right, that, that that does happen. A company town, kind right, of a company town. But you know what? That, that those don't really exist very much anymore. I'm not saying they don't exist at all, but there are very few of those. And and even when they did exist, people would just say, you know what? I'm going to going to the town over. I hear that they have uh, extra benefits, and 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 it's the supply and demand. That's that's what it is. You know, if if you've got skilled labor who knows how to you know turn the turn the screws over there, well, I've got it over here, and I've found a better way of doing it. I'm going to pay these guys a little bit more, maybe five cents more an hour. And vroom, you can hear the big sucking sound uh, of people leaving one company for another. Uh, I, this, this is what America is, is an amazing country in this department. Despite the fact that we are the capitalist nation 
more so than any other nation, right? Um, and Europeans, they are the great socialist countries, the ones that really have got it going, right? I put that in air quotes. Um, Americans move on the average seven times in their lifetime. Did you know that? That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, you may have moved many more times than that in your lifetime. You're, you're 40, and you've moved maybe, maybe 10 I've times. I've moved uh, 11 times. Okay, so my, my guess was not far off. Yeah. So 11 times. That is extraordinarily high. I lived in Germany. Most people in Germany, they move two or three, at most four times in their entire lives. And why is that? Because they're basically locked in. The system locks them in. But we Americans, we're free to go any, anywhere. I mean, technically they are too, but, but economically they're kind of locked, uh, both in the educational system and otherwise. We here, you know, the jobs ain't paying. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll go to South Dakota. I hear that they're, they're paying quite well and they, they really need some, some attention there. Yeah, sure, the weather's pretty crappy, but you know what? A job is a job. Our system encourages that horrible human desire for more right. to always be attained. Right. As if there's, because there isn't nothing wrong with it. Let's and, talk about how Windex, the, the Windex of, of capitalism, right? Um, and that should, maybe that should be the title of the show, the Windex of capitalism, or what's your Windex, or whatever you like. But the, the point is, let's, let's how, show how capitalism also kills the issue of racism, right? I mean, here's a system that says whoever is the best gets to make the most money. And it's a system that says whoever's willing to pay the most um, it gets that, the product. The NBA the proves that. that. Good point. Every day. Yeah. In fact, it, it started in sports uh, with, with Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in 1947. Then people realized, oh, he's a good player. Oh, he's winning for our team. Oh, you know what? That, those racist attitudes that we as Dodger fans were harboring, Maybe that isn't as valuable to us as him winning for us. That's right. It's so stupid. I mean, it's like the old days when they had uh, restricted zones for uh, real estate. I remember um, in my, my, my house in San Diego used to be a restricted zone. It's no longer and it wasn't a restricted zone when, when I bought my house back in 1990, I think it was. But it was, it was a famous area in a sense because it had to been, used to be a restricted zone, meaning you cannot sell to blacks or to Jews. Okay? Now, and I'm Jewish, of course, so obviously it was no issue. I mean, this was already 40 years later. Actually, 50 years later. But the point was that uh, you could not sell to blacks or Jews. And it soon came to be that people, you know, who were Jewish or black said, hey, I'd like to buy your house, and I'm willing to pay the top dollar for it. And it, isn't it stupid for the seller of the house to say, no, I refuse to accept your money, which, by the way, is always the same color, green, okay? That's the color that matters to most people. Racism is stupid. It's uneconomical. This is one of the things that Voltaire, uh, one of the very few things that he ever said that I think was right, was that racism is stupid and it's, um, it's not economical and it's unhealthy for so many different reasons because, gosh, you just... Pay the best, pay the most to the person who is the most competent. Don't you want the guy who, who's the most efficient, uh, whatever, widget, you know, widget maker? Imagine the grand dragon of the KKK having brain cancer and him told, well, the best surgeon in the country is Dr. Ben Carson, and he's the only one who could save your life. Uh, okay, I'll go see him. 
You walk into his office, you find out Ben Carson, or this Grand Dragon, finds out Ben Carson's black. What's he going to do? Uh, no, don't touch me. It's a great example. No, uh, of course he'd get the surgery. Only this guy, he's the best. Right. He's the only one who could save you. His racism would evaporate in a second. Right, and that's a life-threatening situation, but it's also a capitalism situation. Right. right. So capitalism answers that problem. Likewise, you Is would, it rewards the best? It's a reward. And a related issue is affirmative action, right? Affirmative action cuts against the notion of capitalism because it's merit-based merit pay and, sorry, merit-based results. It's, uh, it's stupid for that reason as well. Let's say we, got, we just allow the market to decide. So instead of telling people who are not um, up to the same grades and quality of, of education as others to go to, let's say, Stanford or Harvard or Yale or whatever the school may be, or, or whatever school, it doesn't matter, uh, they simply say, look, whoever's the best, and they might be all Asian because, you know, good for today, uh, Asian students do very well. Okay, Jews and Asian students do very well uh, in higher education. Okay, all right, so what? So let's say Stanford, Harvard, and Yale all now have Asian students. 99% of them are Asian students. Only 1% are some, something else. So what? So what? Okay, so the other students, uh, we go to lesser known schools. Okay, so be it. Do you think it'll make any difference at all? Do you think that by, by changing the rules and, and making sure that we have a diversity uh, and so that we have some whites and some blacks and all that stuff, that somehow that'll make any difference whatsoever once they actually graduate from these schools? Yeah, I've always thought, you know, and this might sound contradictory as a conservative, that the definition of racism has actually become too narrow rather than too broad because too often we don't consider race awareness part of racism. And on the leftist institutions of academia, race awareness is so important to those people. Yeah. Why aren't we as conservatives calling that out as the racism that it is? Yeah, uh, lucky. You, you, you have no uh, argument from me on that. It is. It's pure, pure racism. But if you left it to simply who is the best to get into that college, uh, then when somebody graduated from Stanford, it would mean something. It would really mean something. Right now, there's always an asterisk. You know, how did you get in? And I mean this also, by the way, for legacy students, too, right? You know, my grandfather was here, and he gave millions to Stanford. And, I, you know, so I'm not just saying to, you know, about black students. I'm also saying about, or other minorities. I'm also talking about the white students who get in as legacy. I, I, I don't think that dog should hunt. Uh, you know, I, I'm proud to say that I was not a legacy student at Stanford. I, I was the first Hopefully one. your children will be, but Hopefully, that's right. I, <laughs> right. I call, yes. Uh, you know, I, I got a whole thesis on, uh, theme on, on, Stanford and, and elite, elite schools and such like that. I, right now, I think I'd rather just have them work for a couple of years and then decide whether or not they want to go to college at all. But I'm not going to send them straight to, to college. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It will be crazy by the time that your kids and my kids are of the age. It's, it's not going to be the same thing anyway. But that's another podcast one day. Here we go with, with this point. Um, it actually means something. If you graduate from Stanford, wow. Gosh, golly. I mean, it already means something today. But if you graduated from Stanford without any affirmative action, without any legacy issues at all, wow. Watch out, world. And likewise, whatever school you go to for any other things that, that are, you know, less known than Stanford or Yale or Harvard. Um, you know, Northwestern is still a great school, for example. Michigan is a great school. But nevertheless, how much more so? And everything would kind of work its way. 
And the other thing is with all these programs and this prevailing culture of blaming past uh, oh, victimhood. Know, sins yeah. on yeah, the victimhood is it is it disrupts a culture of of minority communities from adopting the values that the Jewish community and the Asian communities have of holding education in high esteem because they're constantly told in so many of these communities, well, you know, the man is always going to keep you down anyway, so it doesn't matter if you work or not. It doesn't matter how hard you try. They're, they're always going to stop you that's anyway. Just, that's just so sick, isn't it? it? it really, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. It's frustrating, and, and it's the same thing as the, the, the guy who called in and saying that you know, slavery is why we why we have the success that we have in America today. Yeah, and it, I will admit they've had this, these problems in the past, you know, during the Jim Crow era or whatever. But we're talking about today, the 21st century. I, I, but, but going back to that, you know, had, had the America actually practiced what it always had preached, which is true free market capitalism, we wouldn't have had slavery. We wouldn't have had Jim Crow laws. It's all nonsense. And, and, and here's the cool thing, by the way, just I'll say this by the side. In the 1960s, uh, it, racism was really beginning to ebb anyway. There certainly was racism, don't get me wrong. But the 60s was already better, way better than it was in the 50s, and it turned way better than it was in the 40s and so on. It, it was getting progressively better all the time. And it got to the point where a restaurant owner, I mean, we, we gave examples of selling a house, but even a restaurant owner, hey, times are slow, you know? And in, in walks a black family. They want to have breakfast. You're going to turn them away? They're willing to pay. That's stupid. It's just plain stupid. And people began to realize the stupidity of racism. And these are their neighbors after all. And why not be kind to them? And by the way, doesn't Christianity preach that sort of love and tolerance? Of course it does. And it, it just flowed in very nicely. And, uh, but then, of course, they created the Civil Rights Act, uh, which, which actually followed the culture. It didn't lead the culture. That's right. Okay, so that's so now I'm back away from the the uh, that little side story, and I want to talk about other things that capitalism would resolve. Um, look at the infrastructure that we have, our roads, uh, things of this nature. If you really had free market capitalism, you would quickly uh, be able to license out roads to this or that company. First of all, you would create a lot more jobs, right? Secondly. Um, you would be licensed and it would be dependent upon how successfully, you know, you, you could charge people on the road and people would be competing. We talked uh, briefly about this a long time ago. Yeah, if this company ran Wilshire and that company ran Olympic, whichever company ran whatever street more efficiently or better would get the traffic on That's it. right. That's right. And not only that, but you would have more stores want to rent on Olympic, uh, assuming that Olympic was, was the one that was operating it better. That's the way it works. You know, just like New York City is now being, well, was run until de Blasio came in. But when, when um, Giuliani and to some extent um, Bloomberg after him, um, you know, when he took over and he really kind of cleaned up the streets, guess what? Businesses moved in, right? It was a pleasure to be there. And uh, things just worked out much better. And they privatized Central Park. People, people think Central Park is such a great example of how the public domain really works so nicely. No, it's privately run. It's exactly the point I'm trying to make. Right. The national parks like Yosemite and Yellowstone suffer because they're government run. That's right. Imagine if Ritz Carlton or um, even Hilton ran them or Disney, mm -hmm. you know. So, so here's another example. So that's Windex solving yet another problem, right? Yeah. 
Uh, you know, here's, here's another situation. What about capitalism uh, dealing with the problem of immigration? Okay. Solve it in a second. In a second. Yeah. It's, it would solve it, and all you need to do is simply say, look, guys, we open up the doors so long as we bring in the best and brightest of your country over here that are welcome to stay here as much as – and by the way, if they make a certain amount of money, they're welcome to stay here as long as they want. Also, when you have capitalism and you don't have minimum wage, we talked about this many times, then you don't encourage employers to bring in people at a very low rate of pay under the table, which encourages illegal immigration. So that solves that problem. There's, Boom. You know how you have the, the great saying, uh, you can never accuse a liberal of thinking things through? Yes. Here's sort of a, a different version of that related to economic issues. No black market activity stops black market activity. When black market activity begins, it spreads like a weed and will continue and never end. Right. So when you have a minimum wage that people are encouraged to violate by breaking the law, now they're going to encourage people to come in a country illegally from other places who don't speak English, who are vulnerable politically, to fill those jobs that are now illegal, etc., etc., etc. Uh, free market capitalism would also um, encourage, uh, sorry, discourage crime, right? Because uh, we talked about this before too. The, the higher the, the the tax rate, the more you encourage people to t- to think that crime might pay. Because crime, generally speaking, people don't pay taxes on their crimes, right? You rob a bank and you steal a bunch of cash, or from a Seven Eleven, more likely, um, you're not going to then report to Uncle Sam. You know your winnings from the Seven Eleven store. You know, I oh, I robbed. Uh, I believe I robbed uh, the Seven Eleven on Barrington and Wilshire uh, the other day, uh, and I think I, I cleared about two thousand dollars. So I should report that. Yeah. What was Elsa Capone supposed to do? File a tax return? Yeah, exactly. So, so all these <laughs> things. So, and then and then he's trying to remember all the the bank. You know, the banks he robbed. And it's it's very complex. All Honey, the people who paid him to, to yeah, commit right. hits on other people. That's right. Honey, there was that hit. We, oh, yeah, we totally forgot about that hit on John Smith the other day. Yeah, he yeah. paid me 10 you know, we need to in cash we, on that one. Yeah, we need to report that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? But do we really have to disclose that one? Because that was a double murder, really. And I think we can write that up. It's a business expense. Imagine being this guy's accountant. <laughs> That's right. Like, so, I mean, the, the, the joke, of course, is that the crime, of course, is encourages less in the way of tax revenue and so on. But there's a point. You know, clearly, if you had made the tax rate 99%. You are encouraging crime. Is that fair to say? Well, you're encouraging two things. Crime and people do not do anything because right. anything they do is penalized at 99% of its right. activity. And, and whatever you do do, you, you won't report, which is in and of itself a crime. Right. right. You're going to spend double the effort covering up whatever you did. There you go. Uh, they can't so. see me here today, Barack. I, uh, you right. know, uh, we didn't do any social media work here today. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> That's to right. see here. Nothing to see here. So that's, that's the way, you know, capitalism, when you reduce the tax rate as much as possible, if, if that's one of the tenets of that, uh, of, of that it also reduces crime. It, it encourages people to think about opportunities. But if you instead tell them that uh, taxes are too high, the regulations are too high, they will find other ways. And that will, generally speaking, mean, mean either committing fraud or committing crime, which is often the same thing. Um, it also will encourage people uh, in, in the area of the public education area, right? 
think about what, how great it would be if we truly had free market capitalism when it came to the education system. Parents demand, have a demand for teaching their children high-quality education, okay? Um, most parents do. There's always those on the periphery who don't give a crap, but let's not change our entire system because of that. Yeah, right? let's talk about but, normal people. Yeah, let's not do an Obamacare on the, on the education system. The one child, summer, <laughs> we have to pass Obamacare. That's We're right. not talking about that one child. We're talking about there you go. <laughs> most of them. So the public education system, I think we all agree, is a mess. Uh, but, but if you truly embraced free market capitalism, then and you would say, look, no unions anymore when it comes to public schools. In fact, let's not have public schools anymore at all. Uh, then, you know, no, you're not going to have all these dummies on the street. It doesn't work that way, folks. Their, their parents are very responsible. They'll say, no, I want my kid to to go to school, and I'll, I'm willing to pay for it. Uh, and, and there'll be schools that prop up that crop up for $100 a, uh, a semester. I guarantee you, if you let them. All right, they may not have all the fancy slides and and the great field trips that you would like, but you know what? They'll have an education. It's not that hard. You can borrow a lot of books. You can find all sorts of great things for very cheap. And if you gather up 30 kids in a room, that's you know, 30 times 100, that's $3,000. And you know what You else? can do a lot with that. Yeah, and you know what else? We have this thing called video conferencing now, yeah. this wonderful thing. Uh, what if we took the very best teachers and filmed their classes and broadcast it to all the other classes so every kid could learn from the very best math teacher or the very best science teacher? Right. And the teacher in the room with them would watch the lecture, and then when it's over... And they sign off. The teacher's there to do Q&A with the students. That's far too innovative, R.A. Please uh, uh, stop uh, thinking creatively. Well, it's even better than that because the teacher in the room with them doesn't have to be an accredited teacher. He could just be an enthusiastic student who's trying to be a teacher. Right. Right, essentially a tutor. Right. Save so much money that way. And then the best teachers, like Puff Daddy or LeBron James, the other people in the best of their profession, get paid millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Do right. endorsements, to have albums and videotapes, and you know, it, it's unbelievable what you can do if you right. start thinking out of the box on this. So, so education clearly that would be resolved very quickly. It, it would it really lickety split. It would be, uh, and, and unions, generally speaking, they are destructive to American society. Thankfully, uh, they're actually waning in their influence. I think it's uh, I forget what the percentage of the workforce is unionized, but it's it's definitely going down, and I'm I'm happy to report that. Here's a biggie, the environment. And you might say, well, gosh, Barack, if you have the free market capitalism, people are just going to start polluting because that's, that's in their best interests and, and all they care about is profit, profit, profit. Well, guess what? It turns out that when you engage in serious competition in the free market capitalist world, you, in fact, reduce air pollution. You encourage people to be as clean as possible as well. What's the most polluted place? Well, oh, on. sure. Because, precisely because it is more efficient to be clean burning. Talk about Windex, right? Yeah, it just so happens using to be, all the fuel you've been given. Yeah, burn it all. Yeah, I mean, here's one thing. I'll, I have to give credit to um, to the to the meat industry. I, we've talked about this before. I'm not a meat eater. I'm a vegan. Or don't practical. worry, I am. I'll eat when he doesn't. <laughs> We're, we're pra I'm practically a, a vegan, but nevertheless, I'll give credit to the meat industry. They use every single scintilla of that cow, okay? <laughs> I mean, in ways that I would never think possible. 
but they don't. That doesn't go to waste. Hey, the bone marrow is the best part. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's not get gross here. But the point is that they're efficient. That they 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 do it. And I I have moral issues with it, but that's another story. I don't want to go there. Um, and it's not healthy for you. But nevertheless, they use every single part. And likewise, when it comes to gasoline, just to use a, a classic example because of the environment, right? Um, you know, I remember you and I. Pro- you also probably remember when where you were much younger. You remember when cars would pass you by, you could actually see the the smoke coming out of the tailpipe, right? And it would smell bad. And if you were a runner or a jogger, you know, you would really avoid every major street because you're just, you know, you can actually see the air that you're breathing. And it's not a good thing. Now, you know, there are very few clunkers on the road. Very little stuff comes out of the exhaust. Yeah. The fuel being burned so clean because so much of it is burned. Right. Now the liberal will say, ha-ha, Barack, I've got you there. That's because of all these great regulations that we imposed and forcing these, these, uh, these car companies to do so. Not so, my... Don't, grasshopper. Not so, not so fast, grasshopper. <laughs> uh, the, the reality is that the, the laws followed what the uh, car companies were already doing. Right, because by saying the opposite, they're, they are, the environmentalist argument is basically saying... The oil company, which spent all that effort to get that stuff out of the ground, spent all that effort to transport it, refine it, and transport it again, only to sell it to you at the pump, just wants to waste most of it rather than selling you more of it. Right. And it's a highly competitive area, by the way. I mean, when it finally comes to the pumps, when it finally gets there, uh, these gas stations are competing wildly with each other. That The slightest difference in price will affect everyone's behavior. I mean, you, you can literally see competition yeah, on work. all four corners where there's gasoline yeah, stations on cl- the Yeah, classic example, right? One of them changes it by penny because somehow we found a way to make it a little bit cheaper and still make a little buck. Vroom, all these cars. Again, Come the, over here. the <laughs> sucking sound just suddenly you hear it very loudly. And that's highly competitive. Why? And, and, and what is not competitive are all the taxes and other onerous impositions that they impose, that the government imposes. It's not the oil companies, it's the government. So take that away, and you will have far more efficiency well, well, on the road. Yeah, well, let's step back. And environmentally. Let's step back and take an even bigger picture look at the environment. Let's just have you answer this question because we'll both agree on this with, because this is a known fact. What is the most polluted place on Earth? Uh, Russia and India. No, but there's a there's a single location that oh. is known as the most polluted place on Earth. Then you got to tell me Chernobyl. Oh yes, no, that's Chernobyl is the yeah. most toxic polluted place on Earth. Right. What country was Chernobyl in when it became Chernobyl? The Soviet Union. Right, and what yeah. and what economic system did that Soviet Union operate on? <laughs> right, no, I understand. Right, We've so got... the point is it, 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 that's that's one. If you go through the list, in fact, New York Times article, I haven't sent it to you yet today, New York Times article written about Iran, which doesn't exactly operate in a fully free market system, obviously, right. has now four of the ten most polluted places on Earth. Oh, it, okay? It, if you look at the most polluted places on Earth, they're in places like North Korea, Iran, former or current Soviet Union, depending on how much progress Putin made today, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The cleanest places on Earth all right, are all, all right. in... you, you got to stop, stop because the problem is that you're thinking things through. 
What, what, are, you, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, well, I'm out of here. I'm just please, go to the please. You, you need to think like a liberal. You need to not think things through. Because all that matters is the purpose of the law. Don't oh, you know that? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Chernobyl was caused by those oil companies. That's right. That wanted us to use nuclear power so they could keep the oil. Well, you know what? That was just a mishap. And, you know, if, if only they applied communism correctly, then, oh, you know, in, yeah. in its true perfect form, then we would be happy. We just haven't gotten there, Ari. You haven't thought that through. Ha! You're right, because <laughs> the oil companies were selling the operators of Chernobyl their liquor, which they then got drunk and lost control of those nice controls the Soviets gave them. All right. And let's, then let, let's go back to Windex. Okay. Because there's so many other areas. And you're welcome to – I'm going I'm to choose one more, and then if you can think of another one, you're welcome to chime in. Our, but I'm not allowed to think things through, right? Right. Don't think of it. Okay. No, think it through how market capitalism would, in fact, resolve that alleged problem. Um, now, here we have an alleged problem, um, for example, of uh, uh, you know, the, the poor and, and income inequality, right? Income inequality, that's the latest thing you hear. It's, it's somewhat related to minimum wage and everything else. But the notion is that our our uh, our classes are becoming more and more separate somehow. Okay. Well, it begs the question: Why is that happening in the first place? The reason why it's happening is that the regulations that the government has imposed have been so stifling to entrepreneurship that no one can grow. No one has a chance. If you if you're not already um, in the circus, as it were, or a, 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 you know playing in the game, guess what? The doors have closed on you. And um, the drawbridge effect. They've crossed the bridge and they've pulled up the drawbridge behind them. That's exactly right. And that is what's happening. And then you're surprised. And then you blame the system without realizing that it's, in fact, your system, Mr. Liberal. You're the ones who create all these regulations. You're the ones that are just so surprised, surprised when regulations impose such restrictions that companies decide, fine, we'll manufacture it in a different country. And not only that, but we'll hire people and employees in a, from a different country. That's why when you call up a customer service, you're going to hear an Indian accent. That's why. Yeah, and I thought of another adjunct to that. It's in, it's in higher education because so many people have been brought into higher education institutions via affirmative action and um, uh, what are those called? Uh, uh, scholarships. They're able to charge that much more for the people who actually have to pay because all the seats have taken. They've artificially juiced, like on steroids, their demand. Yeah. Rather than having all these vacant places open each year for admissions and having to compete by lowering their prices. Yeah, you, you got it exactly right. Well, look, that, that's the, what I call the Windex effect, right? Is there a, a Windex in your life? That uh, sorry in our in our social fabric that would truly resolve everything right the the one answer it's it doesn't have to be a series of complicated answers it doesn't have to be as the Obama administration truly believes they truly believe that the way to run a country effectively is to just get the brightest people and they'll just figure it all out just the right moment and they'll it, it just will work out really nicely because they'll know exactly what's needed at what time and. And they'll be responsive that way, and they'll just pull the levers in a perfect uh, opportune time. Of course, the problem with that is that eventually that administration, that, that imaginary administration that somehow is perfect, that everyone's exactly in the right position, the Treasury Secretary is the perfect person there. 
the president and the vice president and the secretary of state, everyone is just perfectly suited they for their jobs. They have godlike wisdom of all things. Right. But it only lasts, it only lasts so long as that administration lasts or until that person decides to quit. That's it. So then you start all anew again. Wouldn't it be better if we developed a system that would apply regardless of who's there? Regardless. You mean a system where millions of people make billions of decisions in groups together as individuals or in pairs throughout the economy, second by second, about things they purchase or decide not to purchase? It sounds absurd, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow. Can you wrap I, yourself around I that? can't imagine all those people thinking. Uh, look, I mean, any smart yeah. business entrepreneur or business owner knows that you can't, you can't keep on reteaching the wheel, relearning the wheel for your, a new secretary every single time that... Because you're going to have turnover for employees, right? You can't, you can't do that where you have to suddenly start from scratch all over again. No, it's a big deal when I hire someone new. It's an even bigger and worse deal when I lose someone, either because they have to be terminated for not doing the job. That's a tragedy right. to me. So what you and, do, or what, because they were hired by someone else. What you do is that you develop a system so that it can easily move right into the, to the, next, the next phase, the next person. Maybe you develop a booklet so that everyone knows what their jobs are. You have a certain understanding. You don't have to constantly tell them what to do. Uh, McDonald's, by the way, and, and for that matter, many fast food places, they've got this down to a science. Yeah, Hamburger College and McDonald's. They don't even need that. I mean, you know, they, so many things are automated now, and, you know, if somebody quits on them, it's not a big deal. No, I'm they, talking about the people who run the franchises. You know, they oh, yeah. send them to that in and out does it too to their managers. They have a whole thing. You, it's kind of like Dodger baseball. I know you hate baseball, but they, yeah. you do it. You play baseball the Dodger way. You learn in and out the in and out way. Right. And then everything happens, like you said, by the style book right. of the company. And my point here is that capitalism is capitalism. You simply let it go. I mean, the, the, the famous expression, and that's why limited government is so important. Just leave people alone. Let's say fair. That's what the French phrase means. Leave, let it be. Let it be. And, and people will magically find their own way through the Adam Smith invisible hand. Goods and services will be met. You don't have to get in there, government. You don't have to worry about it. You know, it's like, it's like the, the um, overindulgent um, mother or the, the overconcerned mother that thinks that if she doesn't somehow pump her child's uh, you know, chest that he won't breathe on his own. Of course he will. Just let it be. And if, if he's got a little bit of a rash, sometimes you just let it go. Right? Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's not. But most of the time, it's not. And if it's it not stays, the end of the world. And if it stays, just spray some Windex on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> now we come full circle, haven't we? <laughs> uh, it's very funny. Look, th that, that's the point, is that the government just needs to stay out as much as possible. That the, if, if Your default position is to just, get, just butt out. That's your default it should be rare that you get involved. Very rare. But that's not our government. That's not the government we have today. And I'm telling you that most of the problems we see today are the result of not understanding and letting go. And in other words, not appreciating what capitalism can do and what capitalism inherently does. It's a beautiful system that alleviates so many problems just like that. Just like that. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit like a doctor. Um, imagine, for example, if you just didn't get enough sun, okay? And um, you're just working all day and, and, and all night, and suddenly you start getting a cough. You start having all sorts of other issues. And you don't know why. You just don't know why. And um, 
It turns out that the reason why is you just need like 30 minutes of sun, direct sunlight every day. That's all. You're missing that. And when you do that, all of a sudden everything flows. You're no longer dizzy. Uh, you're not pale and, and, and skinny. You don't have all these coughs. All these things kind of come into play. The sun is a great healer. Everyone knows that. It also allevi alleviates depression, by the way. And resets your sleep cycle so yeah. you can sleep at night. All these wonderful all things stuff. start happening. Yeah. Your eyesight gets better. I mean, it, it's incredible right. what the sun can do. So just, you know, that's the Windex for your health sometimes, right? I remember this one kid in my school. Um, he had this terrible dizzy problem. Terrible. And he was going to this doctor and that doctor. And they were trying to do all different things. And one day, um, somebody just told him, do you eat uh, green vegetables? And he says, no, I hate them. I just, I like my chips and my fruit. And There's his reason. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, he said, you know, I think that you might want to try that. Have, you know, a good bowl of some sort of kale or some sort of dark leafy vegetable, green leafy vegetable, and, and uh, see what happens. And don't you know, in two days, two days, he was suddenly fine. And he saw better, and he didn't have the coughs anymore, and he certainly wasn't dizzy anymore. That was the one thing that kind of resolved everything. And that's what capitalism is, my friends. It is the best answer. You know, can, can it solve, am I being Pollyannish? Can it solve every world's problems? In a sense, no, of course of not. Of course not, because yeah. nothing can. Nothing can. And only people who expect to solve all the world's problems right. will find fault with this. But those people are unrealistic and delusional to begin with. Right. It's, it's like anything else in life. You cannot, uh, you, you cannot uh, expect even a doctor to heal you unless you meet him halfway. I mean, he can give you the antibiotics, but you have to take the antibiotics. And, and we need the, the capitalism, and we have to embrace the capitalism. We can't do it half-assed. We can't do it halfway. We just need to accept it, that it's good for us. Once we do that, we as a society will really really right. thrive. And when things go wrong, we can't jump to blame it immediately as if it's the problem. Right. Well, folks, uh, it has been a delight to talk to you about all this. The Windex of our civilization It is truly free market capitalism. And I hope you embrace it like we do. This is Barack Lurie signing off. Thank you for listening. Let's do it.